Ephesians chapter 4, if you don't mind. Ephesians chapter 4. Brother Brent did say there's a few extra calendars back there. If you didn't get one, uh, be sure you do. Most of the events throughout uh, 2020 are in the calendar. And uh, if you get one, please make sure you use it. Uh, I watched them make those. And uh, I'm a little bit ashamed to say I watched them make them because they were making them through the office and I watched them. A lot of work went into those. And uh, so be sure if you do get one, you use it. And let's keep up with our Bible reading as well. I'm excited to hear many of you have done well by having that uh, discipline and that structure from that schedule uh, that the church gave out to you. So I want you to keep up with that. And before you know it, it'll be December. And what a blessing it'll be to look back. You know, a lot of people have never read through the Bible once. A lot of people have never read through the Bible once, and you think about the greatest book that was ever written, letters from our father, a loving father to his children, and uh, you know, anytime I get mail, anytime I get mail, you know, I got to tell you this, I just put up a new mailbox the other day, it has nothing to do with the message, but I'll just go ahead and tell you this, uh, and, uh, and somebody put a hit out on my mailbox, and they hit my mailbox, they broke the post and dented it up, brand new mailbox, I got a big one where all of my wife's Amazon packages will fit in there, you know? And I go out there to get the mail. Now the mail's getting wet, but I'll go in there and I'll tear it open. I look forward to getting mail, letters from people. I have folks from time to time that'll write a letter and just say hello or check in and see how we're doing. And can you imagine receiving a letter from God and, and not opening it or not reading all of it? My goodness, if I received a letter from God, I'd open it up and boy, I'd read it. That's what the Word of God is. So let's make sure we stay in the Word of God uh, together in the new year. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go ahead and stand. I didn't have you stand this morning, but I'm going to stand tonight. And I'm going to kind of do just a little bit of teaching and give a brief overview, if possible, on the schedule of our teaching and preaching in the new year. This morning we gave the spiritual emphasis really is with the main focus, and we're going to break it up a little bit tonight and tell you how we'll divide the year into some different teaching. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, and let's just hit our theme verse tonight, verse number 16. Uh, the Bible says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. There was this morning's message, what God desires to do, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for the great spirit this morning and the great starts you've given us to, uh, Lord, the goal that you've set before us and the race that I believe you've given us to run. I pray that, Lord, you've already begun to stir our hearts for what our place is going to be. I pray that, Lord, we have a desire burning inside to be engaged as David, Lord, not to be a spectator, but to jump right in the work and be involved in this place you've led us to. Help us tonight, Lord, as we give an overview of how we believe you'd have us to do this. I pray that you'd stir our hearts through it, and it will respond to it in invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I believe I've told this story here before, but I believe it was during missions conference when I was not the pastor. And so it doesn't count. So I get to say it again, right? You kind of have to, you get to go uh, maybe one or every two years to share the story. So uh, many years ago, my wife reminded me of this last night. She says, I don't know what you're preaching on, but you've got to tell that story. I says, I already plan on telling it on Sunday night. But many years ago, I was cutting our grass. Uh, we lived in seminary, not too far from here, and I was cutting our grass on just one of the lawn tractors. This was really before zero turn uh, kind of really took the world by storm. It was just the old lawn tractors 
They didn't go very fast. You couldn't burn out a tire. I mean, it was just pretty, pretty boring of a, of a lawnmower. And I remember you, as we were cutting the grass, I would have my earphones on. I was listening to preaching or I'm um, listening to music. I don't know exactly what it was, but just kind of rolling along the way. And you know how you can see where the tire's been? And you just line the tire up with a new tire like on the old tire mark, and you just keep going round and round. And it took me probably about 30 minutes after I was going round and round to that light bulb we talked about this morning to begin to flicker. And that light bulb began to flicker, and I noticed that all the places that I had been still had tall pieces of grass. And I realized that I was out there driving around, singing, having a good old time. I like to sing when I cut grass because nobody can hear me and tell me to be quiet. And so I'm just riding around, singing, enjoying myself, and realize that the blade had never been engaged on the lawnmower. There's this great big old handle to the right of the steering wheel, and a great big old letters across the top, and it says, engage. And here's, here's what I want you to think. I, I think that God will help us through a very simple illustration tonight to get a picture of the church. Now think about it. I was out there. I had all the proper equipment. I had all the fuel that I needed. The job was before me. The grass was there to be cut. And I was out there and I was making a lot of racket. I gave the appearance that I was cutting grass, but I never engaged the blade. So therefore was accomplishing nothing. And I think about the church tonight, we're a lot like that lawnmower. We have been equipped by God. God's given us everything that we need. He said before he ascended that all power was given to him. We have the power, the fuel that we need to do what God's called us to do. We're not lacking for opportunity. The world is, is still wide in the harvest. The fields are ready and they're ripe for God's people to come along. And the church, we look like we're accomplishing a lot. But I hate to tell you, we're not cutting a lot of grass as far as the world and as far as the will of God is concerned. Why? Because we're not engaged, all right? We're not engaged. What does that mean? It means all of the pieces are there. They just not have, haven't been put into production. And I believe tonight, look at the crowd. We have a great Sunday night crowd here tonight. I had a great Sunday morning crowd this morning, and I am really, by faith, looking forward to a great Wednesday night crowd. Hint, hint. We're going to drop that in right there. You look around the room tonight, all the wonderful pieces that God has brought to this place and all the opportunity that we have. We know God will supply the power. The need is already there. All that we have to do is get every part to be engaged. And oh, if we could get every part engaged to make increase, I believe we'd see God work in ways that, to be honest with you, many of us have never seen in our life. You know, there was a time that you could talk to old-timers, and I'll let you define what an old-timer is, because I'm not dare going to do that, but you could talk to old-timers, and they could tell you about great revivals and movings of God. They could tell you about times at their church where uh, they, their word is often used, saloons would close down, and the juke joints would close down, and all because somebody got saved and their life was changed, but we almost, if not already, have an entire generation before us who've never seen a moving of God. They've never seen God really work in his church. Folks, I believe today we've manufactured a lot of things that we put God's name on, but the power of God's not there. The moving of God is not there. And I believe we could see that if we all got engaged to make increase. Over the next 11 and a half, we're almost halfway through the first month. Hard to believe, isn't it? Over the next 11 and a half months, we're going to break up the year into four quarters. Now, I'm going to do my best not to preach these to you tonight. I just want to share them with you. I told you this morning the exciting part about the theme was I got to share with you my heart. 
and what God put on my heart. In the last six or seven months, I'm a, I was excited about what I had to preach, but this is what God put in my mailbox. And this is the direction I know that God has called us to go together as a church. So we're going to break the next 12 months or 11 and a half months into four sections. I learned years ago that if you pound the theme and pound the theme, people are going to run out of gas by about April. They're going to be tired of hearing about engaged by April rolls around. And so what I learned years ago we do is pray that God would give us an idea of how we can break the theme up a little bit. And tonight, as you see on the screen behind me, these are the four areas that I believe God would have us to focus on in order to be engaged. And we're going to cover four of, the, the four of those tonight and I give you a brief overview if possible and I give you an idea of what God, I believe God desires to do in the church in the new year. You'll look up there on the screen, you'll notice giving going, growing, and gaining. And we're going to divide the, the 12 months into those four sections. And tonight I want to explain to them to you just for a few moments on uh, what I believe we're going to be covering in that. So look back down to our key verse, uh, verse number 16. Toward the middle, the Bible says, every joint supplieth. Notice that, if you will. The Bible says that every joint supplies. So this first quarter, we're going to cover being engaged in giving to make increase. Being engaged in giving in order to make increase. Now, before you panic, all right? Some of you are smiling already. Before you panic, understand that we're not really talking about finances. Now, that will make its way into it sooner or later because it involves giving absolutely to keep God's work going and to be obedient to what God would have us to do. But we're going to look at more of a broader view tonight. Finances are just a small part of the giving that is required by God's people to be used of God to accomplish his will. You look at that word in verse number 16, the Bible says that every joint supplieth. That means every joint has something to contribute to the whole of the body. And I want you to know, listen, every one of us that has been led to this place by hopefully by the will of God, I hope that's why you're here. I hope that's why you're a member of Central Baptist Church, because God led you here. I hope you're not here because you like the preacher or dislike the preacher or like the singing. I hope you're not here because you've been guilted by your family. I hope you are here because you were led here by the will of God. Now, if you were led here by the will of God, that means you have something to contribute to the work of God here at Central Baptist Church. I want you to know, oftentimes we start talking about giving and we clam up. I'm sure if we did a survey of the amens when you're preaching about giving, they drop off dramatically when you start talking about giving. But we're not talking about finances. Yes, that's a part of it, but it's a small part of it. Why? Because each and every one of us have been given gifts by God, a diversity of gifts by God that we are to contribute and supply to what? Notice what it says. Every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. I love the fact that it says every part. God says, everyone that I have led to this place has something to give, something to add to the whole. Now, that's wonderful because oftentimes we may think, well, I don't have the singing ability that those young men did. I don't either. That's why I sing on the lawnmower. Uh, nobody wants me up here singing. I just sing on the lawnmower because nobody tells me to shut up. Hey, I don't have that ability to sing. I don't have the ability as many of our pianists do to play. But if God has led me here, God has given me something to add to the body of Christ, which is Central Baptist Church. 
I want you to, you're, I'm going to get you to turn with me a lot of places tonight just to see a few things, but uh, I want to make sure we get through these and have plenty of time to look at it. Exodus chapter 25, I want you to see something. Exodus chapter number 25, we see God's work is underway. And God's about to give Moses a command. Uh, it's kind of like God has given Moses his vision Sunday. And he says, this is what I want the people to do. This is the direction I want the people to go. Exodus 25, the Bible says, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Now here it is. You're thinking, you see, I told you you were talking about money. Wait, 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 wait. Stick with me. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. Watch verse 3. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them. Gold and silver and brass and blue and purple, scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and sweet incense and on and on and on. God gives a grocery list of things that are needed to build the tabernacle. All right, now God's got a work underway. And he goes to Moses and he says, tell the people, we've got a work going on here. And these are some things that are needed to complete the work. And he gives a grocery list. Years ago, I preached a message out of uh, verse number 25, or maybe it was here, I can't remember, but it was a message a while back in the past. Sometimes time is just relative to me. Sometime in the past, I preached a message entitled, Goat's Hair and Gold. It's amazing what God asked of the people. The gifts ranged all the way from goat's hair all the way up to gold. No, not everybody, I'm sure, had gold to give. Not everybody had silver or brass, but wait a minute, we get down here, some of the lower level things, there are goat's hair, and there's wood, and there's badger skins. You see, there's something that everybody had the opportunity to give to the work of God. Now, let me tell you what's beautiful. If you'll turn over just a few chapters to chapter 36, you'll see something amazing. Now, remember, God works through us, all right? God works through us. Don't pray that he works for us. Pray that he works through us. Chapter number 36, the tabernacle work is proceeding. The Bible says in verse number 5 of chapter 36, they spake unto Moses, saying, the people bring much more than enough. Isn't that beautiful? The people wanted to be a part of the work of God. And they say, hey, I, I don't have that, I don't have that, but I do have something to give. I have something to offer the work of God. And the Bible says in verse 5, they gave much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. Verse 6, and Moses gave a commandment and caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. It's not often you're going to find the preacher saying, all right, you've given too much. But this is what happened. Why? Because God had a work going on, and the people wanted to be a part of it. And they said, you know what? I have something that I can offer. Remember in the New Testament, every part makes increase. Every joint supplieth. That means, hey, there's something that you have to add and that I have to add. And by the way, it's something we get to add to the work of God. We get to be a part of that. You may not be able to preach or sing, but there's something that God has gifted you with, with that we can put into work here at Central Baptist Church. So verse 16, the Bible says every joint supply. That means it has something. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Bible says as God has prospered us. That we give as God has prospered us. Now, look, if God's prospered you or blessed you with singing ability, then we use that for the work of God. I mean, you look at these things here up on the stage. 
Uh, like I said, these were a little bit last minute, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm very visual. Uh, I see things in my head and think sometimes it might help folks if, if you see it too. And, and so I called people in our church who I knew had the abilities to produce these things. There were two different families that worked together on these. We could get these up here that we might have an illustration tonight to be able to see. And it was wonderful. People were so willing to use their talents, their resources, and their gifts to produce this here to be a blessing to the church. This isn't singing. This isn't preaching. I mean, this is wood and paint and a little bit of good old-fashioned sweat. But people were not only willing, but as in Exodus, they had a willing heart to take what they had been prospered with, what God had blessed them with, to be able to add to the work. I think it adds to the stage, don't you? I mean, I kind of like them having up here. We, we might just leave them up here and get some lights on them and get them moving around. I don't know, but I like them. They add to it. I walked in the sanctuary this morning. I wanted to be a surprise. I wanted to see them. This morning when I walked in, it was the first time that I had seen them. I'd seen them on picture, but I hadn't seen them up here on the stage. And Oh, it was a blessing to me. I'm thankful that we have people who had these gifts and these talents to be able to add to the work of our vision Sunday. Now, as God has prospered you, think about it. How has God prospered you? What has God blessed you with? I'm sure all of us have gifts and we have talents. And God says, hey, use that for the glory of God. Isn't that what the word of God teaches us in Corinthians? What's what we do? Whether we eat or we drink, do all to the glory of God. We take what God's prospered us and we give to it. I heard a story about a little boy one time. And a little boy was sitting by his dad in church. And his dad wasn't very interested in the message. And uh, just kind of looking around. And I don't know if they had phones back then. But he was just kind of goofing off, not paying attention. The offering plate was passed. And the dad reached down in his pocket. And he pulled out a quarter and flicked it in the offering plate. And uh, let him go on down. After the service, he's in the car with his son. Griping about how long the preacher preached. And griping about how fast the preacher talked. And how he spit on people on the front row. And God bless you brave people down here on the front row. And... The boy looked up at his dad and he says, I think you got more than your 25 cents worth. He looked at his dad and he says, well, you didn't put a whole lot into it. Then don't, be, don't be surprised if you don't get a whole lot out of it. You know, a lot of times we walk out of the house of God and we wonder why people have such joy and why people are so excited about it. It's because they're putting a lot into it. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about they're investing of themselves. They're giving of themselves and of their time, investing in the work of God. That's why they have the joy that they do. You see, we've bit off on this line that the world has that in order to have joy and happiness and peace, we've got to just gather and gather and hang on. Nope, it's the exact opposite. There's a cheerfulness to the giver. when We're giving to the work of God. And remember, this is not finances. Now, it's part of it. Now, during this first quarter... During the first quarter, this is when we have our stewardship banquet. We will go over our, our finances. We're going to set goals for our church. And if finances do, do come into the picture, but understand that through this first quarter, we're going to pray that God would help us give most importantly of ourselves. You know, I have been a part of churches before and good people and well-meaning people, but they would give financially, but they would not give of themselves or their most valuable commodity, which is time. Giving of themselves to go and visit. Giving of them their time to go and be a blessing to someone else. So we're going to look in the first quarter at this idea of giving. Also during the first quarter, we'll be having our missions conference. What a privilege it is to give to missions. I'm thankful to pastor this church who, oh, I think almost was it 200, almost 200 missionaries we have here that our church supports. What a blessing it is to give toward that. 
And how much fruit has abounded to our account here at Central Baptist Church because people were willing to give to missions. Now, folks, as God has prospered us, whether it be with our talents, our gifts, our resources, let's be focused and engaged on giving so that we can make increase. Number two, look back at verse 16. The Bible says that every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body. Now, every part maketh increase of the body. The second thing we're going to look at, and I'll hurry so we can get through all four of these tonight, and I just want to give you a brief overview of what we're going to be looking at in the new year so Engage doesn't get too old to you. The second thing we're going to look at is we're going to be looking at the legs of the body, all right? The legs of the body. So what do you mean? The Bible says that every part maketh increase of the body, and the second area we're going to look at in the second quarter of this year is being engaged in going to make increase. Being engaged in our going to make increase. Now, you should have known that there's really no getting around the going. All right? We should have known that. We knew that was coming up somewhere. Look, if there's one command that God gave to the body of Christ, to the church, if there's one command that he gave us, we know it's very clear. It's that little two-letter word that we run from and we are afraid of at times, and it is to go. Now, let me tell you, this church is not going to be what this church needs to be, and we're not going to edify ourselves, and we're not going to make increase if we aren't engaged in going. Now, folks, I'm thankful for those that go. I'm thankful for those who go out on Saturdays. I know as many of you go out on Saturdays and knock doors, and some of you go out on Thursdays and knock doors. I'm thankful for that, but this is something the entire church needs to be engaged in. So what do you mean by going? Well, simply, it's taking Christ from here to there. You know, we're thankful to have him in here, aren't we? Isn't it good to be able to come here and worship Christ and know that Christ is our Savior? You know, there's a whole world outside of these four walls who do not have him. Somebody, now let's get back to that somebody from this morning. Somebody has got to take him from here to there. Everything, yes, somebody sure does. And we're praying for our next D.O. Moody, Charles Spurgeon. God send us some great evangelist that's going to shake America. Send us somebody. And God says exactly what we said this morning. I have a body, and it's the body of Christ. And that body has legs, and those legs need to go. So when we get to the second quarter of the year, I hope our attendance doesn't drop off in the second quarter, or you'll be then telling on yourself. Don't run from this. Don't run from this. Folks, this is what we're called to do. We complain about the world, but we're doing nothing to change the world because the only thing that can change the world is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What changed you? What changed you? Now, I'm sure your wife's changed you a little bit, and maybe your mother-in-law's changed you a little bit, and maybe a few preachers have changed you, but there's no change like the change that Christ can bring. The problem is Christ has to be brought I'm so proud and and thankful for our teenagers who go out on Wednesdays on Teen Soul Winning. They go out and they knock doors and they give out gospel tracts and share the gospel. Look, I know that's frightening. Can I tell you, by the way, real quickly why I think it's so frightening a lot of times? It's frightening because we are unprepared. We're not ready. We haven't been trained. We haven't been taught to be able to go and to share the gospel. And he said, well, I just can't knock on somebody's door. That's fine. I understand that. It's scary at times, but, you know, everybody can give out a gospel track. You know, the gospel's on here. The word of God is on here. The word of God's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, you go to McDonald's, you go to Sonic, you go to Burger King, just take this out, put a dollar on top of it. Don't be a cheapskate. Don't give them a track without a dollar. Shame, shame. And by the way, definitely don't use one of those tracks that looks like a $20 bill. 
I have talked to more waitresses who get mad at Christians for doing that because they get their hopes up that it's a 20 and then to find out it's just a gospel track, okay? Now to us, I know that sounds tough, but to them it's disappointing. Everybody can do that. Everybody can give out a gospel track. Look, you're going through Walmart, just get, hey, have a nice day. Hey, here's what I usually say. We come out of Walmart, and I love finding different ways to be able to witness to people and tell them about the Lord. And uh, I usually come out of Walmart, she'll be ringing me up, and I'll ask her, I'll say, uh, so that's free, right? And you know, they're going to say something smart aleckly back to you. Of course, it's not free. And usually they will say, nothing's free around here. And I will go, well, <laughs> see how that works? See how that works? you got to think about it, all right? Figure out how we can get a gospel track to somebody. The church, look, we've got to be engaged in going. God's not going to bless our church if we live in disobedience by not going. I believe it was Pastor Sexton who said, the only alternative to soul winning and getting out the gospel and sharing Christ, the only alternative is disobedience. It's true. Because he told us to go. We've got to be willing to go. So here's what I want you to understand. I don't want you to be fearful of sharing Christ. And look, you don't have to be a soul winner overnight. It may take you years to get there. But during the second quarter of this year, we're going to have some soul winning clinics. We're going to walk through how to win other people to Christ. Maybe we'll take Wednesday nights or Sunday nights. And I've got a couple of preachers I'm going to bring in and let them share with you on how to do it where it's not so scary taking the gospel. But understand this. God honors the obedience behind going. He said, well, every door I knocked on or everybody I gave a gospel track, none of them came. I'll bet you somebody came. So often we have seen it in our churches. We go and we knock doors and invite folks. We give a gospel track somewhere, invite somebody to church, and they don't show up, but some random stranger walks through the back door. You know what that was? That was God honoring the going. He said he would build a church. He says, I will build my church. We don't have to worry, oh, I got to go get this person. I got to go get this person. No, no, no. We just got to go win them. We've got to be obedient to the command, the great commission to go, and watch God build his church because he honors the obedience of his children being engaged in going. We just got to be engaged. Say, I'm going to be actively involved in going somehow, somehow. You ought, to, you ought to make it a, uh, I hate to use New Year's resolutions because putting witnessing to somebody and eating less fattening foods shouldn't be on the same level. You know, but we ought to make our be resolved in our heart that in the new year, maybe once a week, start off small. All right, you know, it's kind of like a diet. I'm going to lose 10 pounds this week. No, I don't start off that high. You know, just say I'm just going to eat one less Snicker bar this week, something like that. Why don't you decide, you know what, I'm going to give out one gospel track every week this year. Try, so for some of us, that may be a big step, but we've got to figure out how to go. One of the things that's a blessing to me is to talk and get to know our people and it's taking place little by little. I'm getting to know most of you, and I hope to get to know the rest of you this year. But to hear your testimonies, and I ask you how you got to Central Baptist Church. How did you get here? And it's amazing. Somebody knocked on my door. Somebody invited me at work. Somebody invited me to the friend day. Somebody came by and was inviting our kids to VBS, or somebody came by and was inviting us to revival or missions. I don't know, but it's always a somebody. There's always a somebody. Somebody had the courage to go, and God honored the going, and that's how they got here. The other day, I was joking with a friend of mine. He sent me a picture of a deer he killed uh, in Louisiana. He's tagged out already, and uh, I don't know about these guys who send me pictures of their big deer. I don't know how to feel about that uh, because it stirs up fleshly feelings that I don't need to be having uh, about them. And my schedule this year has just got blown up and haven't been able to go... Um, Man, I've been trying to get a Mississippi driver's license. Let me tell you about that. The DMV. 
I could come up with some other words for DMV to mean. It is demonic. Trying to get a driver's license. I just want a driver's license. That's all. I can't get a hunting license till I get a driver's license. I do have a driver's license, okay? It's just Louisiana. And I'm trying to go from Louisiana to Mississippi. I walk in there and I just say, hey, I just need to get a Mississippi. Just take this one and put Mississippi on it. We're good. It doesn't work that way, evidently. She said, I need your birth certificate, social security card, and two forms of residency and all of this. Oh. So I go back to the house. I just want to go hunting. I need a hunting license, but I have a driver's license. And I tell my wife, I need my birth certificate and my social security card. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but we're already halfway down the, the trail, so I'm going to finish it out. <laughs> dear, I remember that. Remind me, dear, when I get back to it. She says, well, that's usually not good. I says, don't I have a birth certificate? I thought she was going to share some life news with me. I hate to tell you this. She says, the birth certificate and the social security card are in the lockbox. You know one of those fireproof briefcase thingies? It's in the lockbox. I said, okay, just go get it for me. She says, somewhere in the move, we lost the key. (laughs) So now I can't go hunting because I don't have a license, and I can't get a hunting license because my birth certificate's in a box that I can't get in. If you have some dynamite or something that I can get into that thing, I'd love to go hunting this year, but i got to get into that box. So my buddy sends me a picture. That's where we're going back to the deer. My buddy sent me a picture of a deer that he killed, and I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm not even legal to go hunting yet. And uh, here's what he told me. I says, I says, I got to get after. I got to get after. I got to go. I got to go. And Scotty told me this the other day on the phone. He says, I've never killed one in my office. It's good to have friends, isn't it? Never kill one in my office. And boy, I was getting ready to walk over to the sanctuary this, this evening and I thought about winning souls to Christ and leading people to church and invite, you know, you're not going to win the ones that you don't go to. It's hard to win them in the office. It's hard to win them in the recliner. Sooner or later, you've just got to go. I don't know. I had, a, I had somebody ask me one time, does, does it still work? I said, look, whether or not it works or not, that isn't our decision to make. He just said Go. And we better figure out how to go. Now, look, I'm open to new tactics. I'm open to new ideas on how to go. But he said go, and he'll honor our going, and we will see increase if we'll just be obedient to that. So verse number 16, the Bible says, every joint supply us. Somebody's got to be the legs of this church. I pray that you would let God stir your heart about going. I'll tell you this, and I'll give you number three. I was talking to a pastor today on the phone. A good friend of mine pastors a church about our size um, infrastructurally, but the congregation is, is down to about 60 or 70 people. He says, used to we ran 600. That was before he got there. He says, used to we ran about 600 people. I forget how many buses that they ran. He says, most of the big Bible conferences in Alabama were at our church. It was a big blowing and going church. And I says, what happened? He says, the, the church, what was here was built by a generation of goers. It was inherited by, inherited by a generation that didn't go. And after a while, they devoured all of the fruit that was built by those who went, and now they're left with just 60 or 70 people. Here's what he told me. I was walking around my house talking to him on the phone. As I'm walking around my house, he says, be sure you warn your people not to eat up all the fruit of the goers and go plant some fruit of their own. This is exactly what he told me. I'm standing at the very end of my house, and he said, because their Central Baptist Church will become just like my church. Because people quit going. God honors the going. We've got to go. He commands us to go. And by the way, we get to go. So number two, let's be engaged in going to make increase. And then number three, 
It's not often I give you the four points already, but you know what the next one is. We're going to be engaged in growing to make increase. Be engaged in growing. Now, oftentimes we focus on the numerical. Okay, that's, that's a byproduct of the spiritual. All right? We will grow numerically if we will be engaged in growing spiritually. If you'll look in chapter number, uh, chapter number four of our, our passage, and you look down to verse number 12, or verse 11, the Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the per- perfecting of the saints. Perfecting means maturing or completing. So notice in verse number, verse number 11 and verse number 12, he gave pastors and he gave teachers and evangelists. Why? For the growing of the church. We see in verse number 12 that evidently the church is not where it needs to be because it still needs perfecting, completing, or growing. Now, folks, we've got to understand that if we desire to grow in the will of God, that we might be used more of God, we've got to grow spiritually. I promise you, if we will grow spiritually and grow in the nurture, uh, 2 Peter 3.18, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we grow spiritually, we will grow numerically. But if we don't grow spiritually, then we won't. give you this real quickly. Remember, through growth is how you become more effective. Through growth is how you become more effective. How effective is a newborn baby? Think about a newborn baby. What are they good at? Well, it's just about pretty much what you're thinking. That's about all they're good at. They just sit there and they want what they want. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. They can't help out around the house. Man, Miley came in last night and uh, Leslie had been at the, at the shower. And so Miley decided she was going to wash the dishes last night. And she washed and then got this little bug all of a sudden where she was wanting to clean everything. Man, she's cleaning the microwave and cleaning the refrigerator. and clean, Not that it was dirty. My wife keeps it clean. Amen. I don't want to get in trouble when I get home. But man, she just got out. She was super helpful last night. I don't know what came over her, but I'm glad it did. And I hope it doesn't go anywhere. You know, she was a helpful young lady. She couldn't do that when she was one. But between one and almost 13, she's grown. And when you grow, you have the opportunity to be used more and to be more effective. This is why it's important that as a child of God, we grow beyond salvation. Too many of us, we get saved, and we come, we get saved, and we just sit, and we're waiting on the trump of God to sound, and we're not very useful to God. God can't work through us because we're babes in Christ. We've got to make a concerted effort in the new year to be engaged in growing so that we can make increase. Turn back to your right a little bit, 2 Peter chapter 1. You know where we're going with this, but we need to see it together. 2 Peter chapter number 1. I want to show you something that, that you know very well. If I can find 2 Peter, there it is. 2 Peter chapter 1, and look down if you will. Uh, let's see. Look on down to verse number five. The Bible says, and beside this, giving all diligence. You know, that almost sounds like engaged to me. Give all diligence. Let's be engaged in what? Add to your faith. Adding. You know what that is? That's growing. Add to your faith virtue, and a virtue knowledge, and a knowledge temperance, and a temperance patience, and a patience godliness, and a godliness brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness charity. Look at the grocery list of things that God's giving us to grow in. Now verse 8 tells you why. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. Now, isn't that neat? God says, I want you to grow in all of these things so that you can be fruitful. 
What does that mean? It means effective. God wants us to use, wants to use us and work through us. But if we don't grow, then guess what? We're not going to be very useful to him. Now, what's interesting about this passage our, back in Ephesians 4 is we see the goal of how we should grow. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 4, right in our main, uh, our main paragraph here, it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, that means complete man, watch this, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can I tell you what my brain saw when I read verse number 13? I remember as a kid, it's been a while since I've done it, but I remember as a kid, you go up to the door casing and you take a pencil, you know, you take a pen out. Some of you might still be doing it. And, and you take it and you kind of on the door and you're checking your stature, right? I remember as Miley was doing that, there's pencil marks all over the door casings, all the places we live. As she grows and grows and grows, what is she doing? She's measuring her stature. But notice verse number 13, there's a mark that we're growing toward. The Bible says, a perfect man, which means complete, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the target, that we grow to become more like Christ. Now, can I tell you, you'll be a much more effective Christian if we will grow enough in the knowledge and the grace of God that we become more like Christ. Imagine what God could do with you if we started targeting and growing toward the measure of Christ. But wait a minute. There's a warning. He gives us a warning in verse 14. Watch what happens if we don't. That we henceforth be no more children. That means small in stature. Tossed to and fro. Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. And cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So we see verse 13 he gives us the target. Grow to the measure of the stature of Christ. But if we don't, we're destined to remain, verse 14, children. Children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Can I tell you, the Christian in verse number 14 should not expect to be used of God. God is not going to entrust to you his work or his opportunities to someone that's tossed to and fro. Now, why do you get tossed to and fro? Because you haven't grown. You ever watch a Christian? A Christian will be in church growing faithfully. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, they haven't been saved very long, and they got off in some charismatic church. What happened? Some false doctrine tossed them to and fro. By the slightest man in cunning craftiness. What happened? They weren't growing. Look, if you don't grow, I promise you, you'll go. If you don't grow, look, the other day that, that wind came through. Aren't you glad? Thank the Lord. He looked, took care of us in the, in, the, in the wind and the rain. I watched it from the front porch. The only casualty we had uh, was a garbage can in the front yard. I didn't tell you that. I told my wife this afternoon. We have a tree down. We have a tree down on the back deck of our house. It was our Christmas tree that I put on the back deck, and I haven't burned it yet. But there is a tree down on the back deck of our house. My wife says, I can't believe you said that. But we do. It's tree down. I just got to carry it to the burn pile before it's, before it's all said and done. You watch that wind. Can I tell you the things the wind blew around? Things that were not grounded. Things that didn't have a foundation. They were not rooted. This is why the Word of God tells us all oh, so many times to be rooted and grounded. We've got to grow. If you don't grow, I promise you, I used to tell our church all the time, if you don't get in, you will get out, guaranteed. 
If you don't get in, you will get out. If you don't get all the way in and put down some roots, here comes the devil. He's going to blow these winds of doctrine. The next thing you know, you're worse some false god on the other side of the planet. Why? Because you didn't grow. You've got to be engaged in growing. He gives us the mark in verse 13, but he gives us the mark of what will happen if we don't in verse number 14. Look at verse 15 real quickly. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I'll be honest. I don't want to be mean. Look, I've got a lot of growing to do myself, but in this new year, why don't you resolve, hey, we're going to grow up a little bit. Going to grow up a little bit. My dad years ago saying one way you can tell that you're growing is you can reach higher than you could and you could go farther than you could. You know, there's some fruit that God's got up there for us to have some spiritual fruit, but you're going to have to grow to be able to pick that. So number three, let's be engaged in growing to make increase. During that time of the year, I have here in my notes some things we're going to be doing. We're going to have a Sunday school, uh, a new Sunday school enrollment. We're going to push and growing in Sunday school. Notice verse 12, or verse 13, 11, sorry. Verse 11 shows us how we grow. The Bible says here, through evangelists, pastors, and teachers, Sunday school, listen, is important. That's why Sunday school is so important, because during Sunday school, you learn how to grow, that you can be rooted, that you don't get blown out of church. And then the last thing, this is probably one of the most important. Number four, we've got to be engaged in gaining to make increase. Be engaged in gaining. They say, what is gaining? I was going to stop at three. I really was. I was going to do giving, going, and growing. I felt, felt that, but I knew the Lord had one more thing for us. And we're going to look at this thought of gaining in the last part of the year, Lord willing. And gaining means this, to obtain or, this is very important, secure that which is favorable or profitable. To gain or to obtain or secure that which is profitable. What does that mean? You know what? We can be engaged, engaged in giving and going and growing but if we can't keep what we get, then we've gained nothing. We've gained nothing. This is why Hebrews 2, verse 1, the Bible says, We should give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. You see, we've got to learn how to hold on to what we win. There's too many, listen, too many things fall through the cracks in our spiritual lives and we're unable to continue and build upon what we have. You know, look, if you take two steps forward and two steps back, you haven't gained anything. We've got to learn to hold on and retain the things that God gives us. Real quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 3, the last verse tonight, and, uh, and we'll be dismissed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want to show you something that Paul is about to give Timothy before he passes off the scene. Paul knows he's about to die. He knows he's about to die. He knows he's reached the end of his life and he wants to give Timothy one last charge. Verse number 14. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, but continue. Thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing, assured of, knowing of whom Thou hast learned them. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of speculation, but I don't think it'd be too hard to connect these dots. Paul knows he's about to die. He knows his influence on Timothy is about to reach its end, and he's wanting to give Timothy a little bit extra before he goes. I just want to give you something. And I believe what was on the heart of Paul in verse 14 was the second word that Timothy would continue that he would continue. 
Now, the reason he's saying verse 14 is because of verse 13. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but continue. But continue. He says, Timothy, it's going to get hard. It's going to get difficult. But you've got to keep what you've got and what you've gained. And so as a church, when we get to that last part of the year, we will look back at what hopefully we can see that God has done in our lives and God has done in our church. And then we're going to look at how we can not only hold on to what we've gained, but build upon what we've gained. And we keep adding and adding and adding to the glory of God. So tonight, it's simply this. God desires to work through our efforts. We preached that this morning. God desires to work through our efforts. Now, why? So that we'll become effective. I hope we don't forget about the lawnmower for the next 11 and a half months. I think there's a lot of lawnmower churches out there riding around in circles, making a whole lot of noise and giving the appearance they're doing something, but they haven't cut the first blade of grass. Why? Because the pieces are not engaged. The pieces are there, but they're not engaged. I pray that we'll desire that when the Lord comes back and we're there on our lawnmower, that, man, we're cutting the grass fast as we've ever cut the grass because we know our time is short. So we stand together tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.